This is episode number 253. What is the power of poetry? With Dorothy Ogre. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming conversation that takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, which is part of our weekly series called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and appreciation, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today or joining us on LinkedIn or Facebook at 10.45 a.m. Central Time on any given Friday so you can share your own perspectives and insights about the topic at hand. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Dorothy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this and, and choosing to do it for the first time. I know that for people who are tuning in right now, they're not going to know what we were doing, but it's you and I were having a conversation and just felt that there's so much synergy that's happening that it really, it made no sense not to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We had to seize that moment. (laughs) That was our best chance. But the, the topic that we were talking about, this whole concept of poetry, I was describing to earlier how that's something that started for me from a relatively young age and I've been able to continue it over time and do it in different language, which is also fascinating. And I'm, I'm thinking that the best way we can kind of catch up a lot of the listeners to our prior podcast, to this podcast, is in exploring the concept of when you look at poetry and the things that you're able to express, because you also do this in multiple languages. Mm-hmm. What do you believe poetry allows you to express that other mediums or forms aren't able to do so? Oh, wow. That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, though. (laughs) Uh, um, Poetry has been part of my life since I was seven years old. And it has allowed me to express, um, I think, mostly part of my experience or what I was sensing about the world around me and basically basically helping me understand the world around me understand myself and um, capture something of the essence of the world or the, the wisdom uh, that was uh, that is beyond 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 things so um, there is a belgian poet that says uh he's, he's looking to um 
to capture the, the bonds between man and nature. And I feel that that's kind of what poetry is doing with me. And it is also helping me to sort of reach and connect with other people. It's kind of my uh, way to, uh, to have conversations, <laughs> to, to share something with people as well. Did you find yes. that, like who inspired that? Because I think for me, it, when we were having that conversation before, I was telling you how I used to climb on the window seal and, and write poems with whatever light was available from the outside. I never fully been able to understand what inspired that or what gave me the ability to understand that this is a hidden talent of mine. In your case, I mean, you started at a pretty close enough age to where I was. I think I started nine or 10 years old. You said you started at seven. What triggered that in that moment? What, what helped you understand that, okay, this is a gift. And then beyond that, do you remember the first times that you actually started to share that gift with the rest of the world, so to speak, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I initially shared it solely with myself. And I don't know if it's because I didn't feel confident in my word or whether or not I'm going to be accepted or rejected for what I had to express. But in your case, did you have a similar experience or did it take you a while to gradually build up and realize that there is a hidden talent of yours because, well, clearly you're doing this as a form of living right mm. now. Oh, I'll say yes to all of your <laughs> questions. <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Um, yeah, I, when I started, I think it started from maybe a, a children's song I was listening to, something like that. And, and then I sort of started making my own rhymes, as it were. Um, I know I shared it um, with my family. I don't know what the order of it is. Um, when I was 11, um, the teacher asked the whole class to write a poem. And so I wrote a poem and she, she liked it very much. And she asked me to share it to the, to the class, which um, normally probably it would traumatize <laughs> most people or something. Like yeah. Yeah. But I just, uh, I just love that she loved it. I love that she asked me, that she invited me to, to share that with the class. And in my memories, I don't exactly know how they responded, but my, my memory is a positive uh, response from them. And so I felt seen then. I, I think she was at that point, she kind of blessed me in that sense of, of seeing the talents. And, um, and my father was encouraging me uh, a lot as well. So, so my family bought me a you know, little book in which to write poems you know, which, which I still have, by the way, so it's, it's uh, you know, I've kept, I've kept that. And, um, uh, and throughout, and, and because I had this first experience of sharing both in my family and with, with the class, that became natural and that be- became uh, part of the poetry writing. Um, so I would say probably 90% of my poems I've always, I've shared, uh, you know, when you're a teenager, <laughs> you know, some of these poems are a little bit too dark or, or whatever, yeah. but uh, yeah. Or so, carry so very uh, different type of meaning from the yeah. one that you want to project in the world. I, exactly. I can relate. I was rereading some of my older ones and you had asked me the question of whether or not I kept them. And I read some of them. Some of them were great. Others I think needed a little bit more uh, language 
because of the limited yeah. number of words that I knew <laughs> at the time. So there's only so many ways to express what a potato looks like yeah. or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what my room was. But it's fascinating how artistic I was able to become, even with the limited number of mm-hmm. words that I knew compared to the number of words that I know today. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm just thinking it's um I guess it's a question of um well part maybe it's something that is in us so that's maybe we are connected to to that type of role or that type of um, of possibilities like uh, other people's might be more connected to to cooking or to gardening or to or to engineering you know this we, we would have different uh, different talents in that sense and so I guess part of that it's because it was already there. It's part of uh, um, what what we we are brought to express, and and also another part is that you were receptive. You know, you were open to to the possibility of doing something with with the little light that you had, and you know, and a piece of paper, and and, and maybe because you were limited in what you could do as well, because uh, maybe you could have drawn, but you could not have made music really, or you know. So that's, that can sort of influence that. Um, Do you think there is a sense of a timeline with those things in uncovering them, or do they truly come in chapters and at their own time, so to speak? And the only reason why I ask that is because I think that's, it's somewhat related to what I've experienced as far as my own observation of how people find purpose and meaning in life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at least what I've noticed in the United States, and it's not necessarily good or bad, it just is. But there is that timeline. Once you hit a certain age, you have to have X, Y, and Z figured out. And then the Uh, next thing and the next thing. But I'm wondering with creative talents and gifts, such as the ability to write poems or dance or sing or cook or whatever it may be, is that timeline really an important aspect of it? Or is that one of those things where you kind of, quote unquote, stumble upon it and then just presents itself Obviously, mm-hmm. I think open-mindedness is a big thing within mm-hmm. that. That's what I've learned. But I wonder what factor does a timeline really play in discovering one's hidden talents? Hmm. I um, There's something about uh, a normal progression in a sense mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of people will have written poems when they were younger, like uh, um early teens you know teenagers because that's that's part of that need to express and to find oneself and that's a perfect tool for that and then often we we stop writing or you know we write a little bit less or we you know we get to we find a a profession a a serious profession and we we work on that and you know uh, or we, we get a family so so we kind of there might be moments where we write less Sometimes we stop writing and sometimes we pick up again through experience because something happens or because uh, uh, we get connected to that. So there's, there's an element of that uh, or time becomes more available or, or this need to express becomes stronger. Um, now, I, um, I was just reading and listening to, to Michael Mead. Uh, Michael Mead is a storyteller and an anthropologist um, and he's speaking about uh, the calls. We get a call. We we have, uh, uh, like as a, as a human being, we have this particular talent, a genius to 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 unfold, and that's uh, to, that contributes to our purpose, but also to a bigger purpose. And he speaks about 
two calls in a way. One when we are younger, which is you know basically what we have experienced, and sometimes it's seen, but most of the time it's not seen. Like uh, our parents, I was lucky that my father recognized something in that, and that he he, he helped me, and the rest of my family as well. Um, but I think a, a lot of the times parents don't know what to do with that <laughs> because it's it has nothing to do with them as a family. You know, it has nothing to do with them, and so they it will be discarded or not seen or maybe even mocked and uh, and hence you know we we kind of uh, shut it down uh, and then there's uh, probably another moment later in life uh, where we are um, m- maybe probably already quite adults uh, with quite already like uh, maybe a family or a career or part of a career and then uh, suddenly we get this this ordeal like now now it's more like a collective call for everyone to to sort of show up and then um and that's the it's a different sort of call it's more like about uh yeah well we it's a it's a second chance <laughs> to follow our our core our passion or you know to discover that talent and, and go for it basically how do you understand the concept of having one calling in life do you believe in that yeah, or even the I, larger purpose. Like I, I found mm-hmm. it challenging to believe in it because I think that purpose varies so much from chapter to chapter. Mm-hmm. And even though there might be a connecting point, so to speak, from one sense of purpose to the other, the vision or the version of that purpose still can vary drastically. So I, I personally, I wrestle with that concept because I don't know if I subscribe to it that there's mm-hmm. that one purpose. I think if anything, what I've learned is that in f- trying to identify one specific thing, it could also be a limitation. Yeah. 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 I, I concur with that completely in that sense that it's really not about saying, you know, this is the call and my call and that's what I'm following. Um, I tend to, f- I tend to go with my aspirations uh, and to to what sort of really attracts me not it's not an ambition but it's it's really like um, a deep desire and it does shift like i you know i started writing songs uh, a couple of years ago and you know, i would never have thought of doing that but that's something that's you know that's that came up as an aspiration or like doing this 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 call is not something that i sort of um, envisage doing um, and still it's part of this bigger purpose of or direction that in which I'm going which is to to express myself and to express love through myself and um, through express myself through love as well so that's kind of the the key things for me and it takes different shapes and forms and it does shift but I do think there's some kind of main current or stream or, um, and it can be as, as big as you want or as small as you want. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I've, I kind of always had this notion of, uh, that we were um, separate in terms of how we, we are physically built and our personalities and that, that we, we do have something very unique to express because otherwise <laughs> what would be the point in a way and uh, but also that we are in a way also very much connected and and hence there is a, a um, there's there's a bigger life you know 
that that life is is asking or you know asking or is is inviting for for play or for experience. So, so that's how I see it. Do you ever find it challenging? The only reason why I ask that is because I did. I found this to be a challenging area, but with things that are not, let's say, as commonly accepted or understood in the world, poetry being one of those, really trying to make a living with a subject or a concept like that, it, it in my opinion, it, it's a challenging experience because there's not only the art of quote unquote selling the product, but there's also a huge undertaking that one goes through in educating people about what poetry actually means and the value that it brings to the world. When you started doing a lot of it, because I know you were briefly sharing the different forms that you started to do, like slam poetry and stuff. Is that a challenge or was that a challenge in your life to really make it a lifestyle and pursue that quote unquote hidden gift? Or were there times where you honestly just wanted to give it up because it was the challenge was so great. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm still uh, learning to make it like a real business. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it We're is developing the business as we speak here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's it's um, uh, however, well, and initially I, you know, I although I would uh, imagine myself actually being interviewed, you know, like I was uh, when I was um, play acting in my in my room as a teenager, it was so as a, uh, even younger, was like I had written this this big um, thriller and um, novel, and I would you know be interviewed or something like that. So that was kind of my way of programming my future success, and uh, and I didn't realize that it was that that I was doing. It's um, you know it just for me it was natural to be writing poems and and stories and to share them, and that's uh, what I've continued to do. So in that sense, it is very challenging because I have um, great difficulties uh, in giving a, a, a worth, you know, what is the value of writing poetry? It's, it's immense, you know. So whether it's to learn to write or whether it's to, to read the poem I've, I've, you know, written. And that's, um, that's very hard, actually, to, to sort of be in that economic model where you're supposed to put prices on stuff. and. You know, you're not sharing just out of uh, this abundance of uh, of life that you want to share. Or you're sharing so much out of experience, too, that might have taken you years and years to mm-hmm. capture in that mm-hmm. moment. I, I've, I found a challenge in the same exact way. I think for me, it's interesting how certain conversations, at least in my life, that happen now where I could see a, a clear pattern or a clear topic going from one to the other. So in a way, just... What it made me think of was once I became more intentional with my life, I started to attract those things due to yeah. the intentions that I was setting. And one of the conversations I was having earlier today was in regard to this concept of money and, and being able to really put a price tag on your service mm-hmm. or on your gift. And I was sharing with the individual how for many, many years, I felt that the best way to provide value the fullest value to other people is to quote unquote, give them a deal. So Mm -hmm. don't charge for the whole thing, but over deliver on the product or the service and in charge, whatever that you need to be able to maintain that inventory, so to speak. And I noticed how, and this goes back from a habit 
that my best friend and I did. And that is when we were younger, 13, 14, maybe a little bit older than that. We used to manage these fireworks tents in the summer and sell fireworks to people. Well, one of the things that we did, and I guess it's far enough in advance where, you know, we, we can't be uh, sued for the product <laughs> or anything, but we never used to label anything in this tent. So a person would walk in and they would say, how much is this? Or how much is that? What we believed more was not being able to tell you the exact price, but more so create an experience for you. So mm-hmm. we would return, we would essentially return the question with a question. And that is, what would you like to have? What would you like to experience? And then we would put together this package of all these fireworks that we thought performed in one way, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't, who knows? And we would give it to them for the price that essentially they determined. The beauty of that experience was this. One summer in particular, I remember the person coming back and literally giving me a $20 tip because I made his day. He was going to celebrate his son's birthday. And I guess I gave him way more fireworks than he thought he should have received for that price. The challenge of that experience is that those habits after a while became so habitual where even in today's day and age, that's still a question that I face face myself with. And that's how much is is the service worth? Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, it's just funny how certain things that like for me making it a deal, I love doing that. I love being able to really help someone and not feel obligated that I have to charge for every ounce of that product or poem or whatever it is. So I've just been curious, how do other people do this? How do Mm -hmm. they process the value that they deliver into a tangible dollar, euro, Mm -hmm. peso form that makes sense to them? Or do most, if not all people, undervalue themselves? Yes, I think a lot of people undervalue themselves and I, for me, it seems like the, the, I mean, the, like the, in a way, easiest way to, 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 to put a price tag on something is to consider, you know, a, a rate per hour or something like that. And then, you know, or, or depending on how many years of universities you had to do or that type of thing. So, so it's kind of saying, you know, and that's part of the difficulty with a poem because, you know, a poem can be written very quickly or in a very long time. And of course, there's all these experience to take into consideration. Um, but I think that's kind of, um, I, I'm much more a fan of experience. And often that's what I say to people when, you know, if, if I've written a poem or if uh, I've helped them in some ways or, you know, or whatever is uh, is I say, well, you know, give me an experience. <laughs> you know? But of course, it's it's about what kind of experience you need to define that. And and it's very, uh, very often I find that uh, if you ask also people, okay, what's what's it worth to you? They don't know. Yeah. And so they can and so be in the that challenge uncomfortable that. situation of not knowing and hence not, not, you know, not going for it because they don't want to insult you by giving a price that would be too low for, you know, in our mind. And, and they don't want to be had because they gave a price that's too, too high. So um, recently I've tried with uh, saying something like, you know, if you participate to this workshop or something, this is, this is the price, it's kind of the standard price is this. And if you want to sponsor me, if you, you know, if you're very happy or if you, if you feel like it's, it's worth 
more for you, then you can, you know, you can also give more. Or if you are, um, you know, if you really want to participate, but you can't afford for this price, then, you know, you can also give what, whatever you can. So it's, it's um, there is uh, another philosopher and um, Charles Eisenstein is uh, a, a very interesting guy. And one of the things he says, it's, it all depends on how clear you are on your own intention with, um, with following the economic model or not and asking for, or asking for contributions from people. And depending on whether it's out of undervaluing yourself or out of shame, or because you're not sure about what you, you provide, or whether it's a very clear, um, clear offer, um, then it's it's a different uh, situation. Does but poetry yeah. help you gain that clarity? I actually, it's a good question. I should I should uh, <laughs> put it through. <laughs> one one I wrote a poem about money once, and actually it was a really uh, interesting experience because um, it was. Uh, at the end of a three-day workshops uh, in the art of hosting meaningful conversation that was uh, organized with um, parts part voluntary funding. And so people could, there was some corporate prizes and individual prizes and so on, but anyway, you, you, there was kind of a basics, basic amount and then you could add more at the end. And we had a conversation about, you know, like in the collective intelligence collective intelligence process, we had a conversation and there was like 70 people present and there was a lot of tension huh? because money that uh, provides a lot of tension. And um, and I was kind of, uh, you know, uh, experiencing that and being part of that as well. And so I wrote a poem about money and the, like, what is the currency of money and, you know, what it, if it could give all that more in the terms of a potential and an experience. And so I shared that poem to the group the next morning and I could actually feel, you know, the whole field of people just to, to settling down. Like there was, you know, just doing that, just, just kind of, yeah, settled, healed the whole process and all the frustrations that were there. And, and then I got some feedback about that as well afterwards. It hasn't helped me fix prices, but maybe I should try it. Good one. <laughs> was was that poem written in English? It was in English, yes. Yes. Do you do you have it handy by any chance? I can have a quick look on my website. Because I'm genuinely curious now, just by the brief <laughs> brief description here, I'm sold. <laughs> so uh how much is it worth to you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. But there's something that you also pointed out, even within that, it's a interesting topic and that's something I've considered as far as asking that question of the other individual. The challenge within that challenge is that the more options you present, the less options you receive. At least that's yeah. my experience. Like if I yeah. give you the option that you can either pay this price or I can ask you the question or you can donate or you can do this, then it's just like that too creates much. even more. That's too much information to process because each one of them requires its own process. Like I, I wouldn't approach a donation with the same process that I would approach with paying a set fee yeah. or even the question, what is it worth to me? What is it worth to me now? What is it worth to me when everything hits the fan and I read this poem and it changes my state? <laughs> what is it worth? So Afterwards, it's, it's such yeah. a hard 
area to tackle because there's so many different angles that one can go Mm -hmm. to it. And then the whole thing with, for me, setting a price, I mean, am I going to take into account the 26 years of experience that it took to get me here? But then as part of those 26 years, do I also take into the account the days when I procrastinated? So do I do I leave those wherever they are? Do I so it's it's just it's interesting how simple but yet complex something like that truly is. It is. <laughs> I, I I mean I'm 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 really listening very attentively because uh, I will uh, I'm sure that's uh like the experience of it being too complicated is what I'm noticing as well. And I've already made, tried aim to make it more simpler. And yeah, and maybe I, you know, I just uh, um, put a, a big sum of money and see what happens. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or something very small and see what happens. So, do you also yeah. find that when you do charge for a service, such as poetry in your case, does it after a while... And I don't know if it necessarily is when you cross a certain number, certain financial number, or if there's some other thing, does it lose the essence of what you started with? Mm. That's uh, where I think it's, it's, uh, it's then it becomes a question of the choices you make in accepting a certain uh, project or not. Um, It's more about that. Yeah. It's more about that. Um, I mean, I, I come from being a trainer and, and a facilitator and, you know, gradually over the years, there's lots of type of projects or, or type of, of uh, clients, you could say, I mean, that depends a little bit more on the project, but where, you know, sorry, I simply say no, because they don't, it doesn't nourish me. It doesn't bring me to the next step or it doesn't um, give me that sense of being seen of being of really of value. Um, and very often, I'm, the poem is is what comes in addition to, so it's it's that extra I give, um, or that I you know it's kind of also a transition. So when I I'm facilitating a team or a, a change process or a coaching, then the poem is that that extra um, as well. So it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting. So it's more uh, about the experience then. It, 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 in the poem is the end product it's uh yeah it's kind of the end it could be the starting product but most of the time it's like uh like if you know with this conversation let's assume that i then write a poem about that conversation and then i uh if i were to write at the same time of the conversation i would then share it with you uh, or i would share it with you afterwards and so that would give you a sense of um Maybe uh, remembering some of the, the stuff that was that was said, or getting inspired with something more, because it's also seeds for something else, and and that's something that I, I I've done quite a lot and I do quite easily. So it's uh, um, like like this poem, "What If Money," which I found by the way, <laughs> so I could share it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. All right, so it's called "What If Money." What if money were to be a gift, the gift of opportunity, the gift of sharing, the gift of groaning and then of growing? What if money were to be a space for hosting our own values, 
for welcoming our own feelings and for being with them? What if money were to be a circle for welcoming other people's stories and for being with them in the present time, embedding them for the future? What if money were to be one currency to bring us to the next level, the level of abundance for all and everything? Wow. That's a, it's a powerful poem, and here's why, at least for me, because simultaneously in each one of the sentences, it creates an opportunity not for money to only be either or, but also the possibility of and. Yeah. What it could be, what if it could be this and that? I, I think now that I think about it as you were reciting that, it also makes me think how, at least in my opinion, many of the things that I used to see and I think still see to a degree are either or. You mm. pick this or you pick that. Careers is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Very, in fact, I have never been a part of a career day where I was told that you can do this and that. <laughs> I was told that you can do this or or that. that. Yeah. There is no and. There is no combination of doing multiple yeah. things. And and I wonder if that actually somehow contributes to the larger question of quote unquote forgetting some of these hidden gifts or talents because it's perceived mm-hmm. through the lens of you can only do one, you can't do both. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's, uh, that's certainly part of it. Uh, and in a way, that's, that's um, also how I think of poetry is to create that end-end and not just not or, either or. And, and yes, I mean, if you, I mean, that's the classic example is, yes, you love art, but, you know, study to become an engineer afterwards you can see but at least have you know something to fall back on and then it feels like it's an or question it's not an well yes if you can do your you know your music and be an engineer at the same time or if you can do you know if you can focus on the poetry that's also one one great thing to do if that's what you want to do but uh, we we tend to be much much too much into or i either or into black or white and I find in all of the situation, um, our process for learning for everything is it's a it's a gradual process. You know, it's a, it's it's on a, um, uh, it's measurable. It's from zero to one hundred, and that's from you know, it's not a, a switch that you um, put on or off. You know? <laughs> it doesn't. But but we somehow we have learned to look at it through this lens of uh, it's either good or bad right or wrong, you know, black or white, uh, but, um, and, and that limits possibilities for sure. I wonder how that became a conditioned way of thinking that it, it has to be one way and it can't be two ways or three ways or four ways simultaneously. I remember one time I was trying to remember this. I believe it was either my brother's graduation speech, his commencement speech, the commencement speaker was talking about, the importance of not having to multitask, but rather focus on a specific mm-hmm. task at hand. And I think there's value that there's for sure value in having a sense of clarity and leading towards one specific objective or goal or aspiration. But at the same time, I remember sitting there and listening to what he had to say and thinking about 
the times where literally I was required to multitask. Mm -hmm. If I didn't multi, for example, managing a project, managing a creative work, not only amongst yourself, but with, especially with a group of people. Yes, I can lead it towards a completion, but then there's also so many other things that are happening. <laughs> development of relationships, yeah. development of creative process, understanding how my creative process is compared to someone else's creative process. And then thinking, okay, what do I take from this process into my process to make it even better? Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that are happening simultaneously where even in that speech alone, I remember sitting there and thinking to myself that even though there's value here, this is not the sole speech to live my life according to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I see that as well as, um, um, well, I see that athletes, for instance, um, tend to have this really very strong focus, you know, and they're very clear on what they want and they, they will put everything together to in order to get what they want. And that's a big focus. But I'm pretty sure that there's also a lot of things happening at the same time. Uh, for me, it's, um, it, it's, it's not an either or, you know, if it's like, uh, like now, if I were to start checking my emails or, you know, or, you know, listening to somebody else or looking at this, that would not work. So right now in that conversation, this should be, you know, you are my focus, right? That's, and I can see that I am your focus because you, you're asking uh, and, and commenting in a, in a really uh, a good way. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of that. But that doesn't mean that I don't have a project going on on the side or that I don't have like a, a process going on as well in the, in, in the back of my mind because of all the information and, and, you know, wisdom that you're sharing. So there's kind of things happening there as well. But my focus right now, my presence is with you. And I think that's, that's how I understand this. Uh, and also in terms of um, that's something that I've um, worked a lot uh, on and with, and I, you know, I started uh, being a trainer in, in productivity and efficiency and that type of thing. So, um, but one of the things that I like to do is to, is to share with a couple of other, other people is what is going to be my, my goal for this week. And um, it's a simple or for this day, you know, and there's only one main goal, one main objective and the rest will, will also happen but I have a kind of a direction that helps me to come back to it every time I get distracted. You know, there's kind of this sense of this is, this is what I should be paying attention to most of the time or, you know, when, whenever I can in that, in that day or organize it so that I can spend my time on it. So that's, it's both. It's always both. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is always both. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same exact way. <laughs> Going back to poetry or, so to speak, using your analogy of a goal in mind, in, in thinking about what you know to this particular po point about the art of poetry, what do you wish to see more of? Is it more of an understanding of the language? Is it higher expression? Is it deeper thoughts like what would really bring that level of fulfillment to you about that particular art form right um there's different levels to that but i i think i my greatest joy is when um somebody 
that I connect with and maybe, you know, and for whatever reason, and then they start writing a poem or they notice, they, they realize that there is something in them about that creative that wants to also, you know, come out and express itself. So whether it's through drawing or cooking or, you know, that's a, so for me, that's, that's a key thing is that um, to invite that expression. Um, and, add, and also I want poetry to be something that you can use in organizations that uh, leaders can say, well, where are we going? And I have models, you know, I have, uh, I can see, you know, what my physical sensations are when I'm thinking about the direction we're going into, or I can also listen to my people. And, you know, I can also use poetry to sort of reflect or, you know, either a poem I find, or I, maybe I get my um, us together to write a poem, or maybe I write a poem to just help me reflect and help me get to that kind of intangible that um, uh, will uh, help me listen to to what's possible and what's available, uh, rather than only um, statistics and um, mathematics and economical models, which are really important to to have as well as information, but there's much more uh, information that we can get from, from listening to music, from rhythm, from uh, emotions, uh, from listening to the collective, to the group, uh, from writing poetry. So that's uh, listening to the intuition. Do you think self-expression is a critical component to what it means to be human? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, which whatever way it is, I mean, there's, uh, I think there's uh, um, an outgoing of us. We, you know, we, we kind of have things that come in, and we have an outgoing, and and that that can be in many different ways. It could be, uh, it could be um, through service, through through hugs, through writing, through you know, through you know, developing a passion for for uh, wine. Um, or you know, um, for 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 drawing or cooking. Or I have a a friend who who, who she sews her clothes, and she's uh, she's also a, um, a seasoned uh, leaders and and a coach. And you know, that's that's where she finds her one of her main source of expression. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've been curious about that topic for a while because I wonder. I've been really trying to explore this whole concept of what it means to be a human and all the different components that contribute towards it. The most recent one, most recent discovery that I've come across is appreciation, mm -hmm. feeling appreciated for being a human yeah. and not necessarily doing as a human, yeah. but simply just being and, and knowing that to a degree that's enough. But this other component of self-expression that's really been fascinating to me because I think it's something that you might have even touched upon before we hit record. And that's if that wasn't a thing, then what's the point? Yeah. Right? Like what's yeah. the point of being able to do all of these things and be given all of these abilities by whoever or whatever it might be and not having the ability to express it? Mm -hmm. And not yeah. having the ability to express it on your own terms. I, I know for me, that's a very um, big component of who I am and why I do what I do is ultimately being able to find a way to live life on my own terms mm -hmm. 
and being able to express that as a possibility and inspire that within others that it can be possible. Yeah. Oh, there will, I, I don't know if this, I don't know if that version ultimately exists as far as with no limitations whatsoever, no self-limiting beliefs, because I think there's still value even in those things. There are some self-limiting beliefs that I've experienced that actually helped me tremendously because they allowed me to slow down and really think through yeah. the things that I'm thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's some I, things that I wake yeah. up to and I'm like, okay, th- this doesn't serve me. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do something else. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think there is, and, and that self-expression, it can be, it can really be anything because it's, it's uh you know, who am I to say, you know, how you have to express yourself or, you know, whatever. So, so for me, it's a, it's a creative part. Uh, and for, for others, it might be um, completely different. It might be in terms, and I'm not saying it's not creative, but it might be in terms of raising children, right? So I don't have children. So that's, you know, the, the transmission and the, the self-expression and the creativity that's even more important. To, to, to bring that to, to earth and to share that. Um, and I think um, limitation and obstacles are, yeah, they are a way to slow us down. That's a, I think that's a really nice way of, of looking at it. And they also tell us something about uh, maybe sometimes the di- direction that probably it's best not to pursue, or maybe about something that a new resource will find because we... We are going through that um, procrastination. For for me, as I discovered, is a is is very useful. <laughs> I don't always like it, but it 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 helps me figure out, you know, um, some of the things maybe that either I don't want or I don't understand, or or that maybe I need to to approach them in a different uh, from a di- different direction. So um, anything that's uh, like here at the beginning of the year, there was also, I had this sense of really being stopped, you know, was, I was um, trying certain things and uh, uh, it was, um, sorry, it was, um, um, I, and, you know, I felt like I was maybe, it's, it, I was trying different things and, you know, I wasn't finding the openings. And then I realized it's, it's a question and I'm a very patient person, but then I, you know, I was kind of <laughs> losing my patience. But then I realize it's part of that. It's part of that being patient and persistent. So it's, it's, you know, try and see where, and sometimes you come back, you know, to the same places before, but things have changed because you've done different things. You've stopped for a while, or, you know, you've understood something from listening to someone. And then suddenly there is an opening there and it might look completely different, but uh, um, it, it brings you further. So, yeah. I tend, I tend to move in circles, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm, a, this way, but uh, I'm the same exact way. I, in fact, I remember when I was recently exploring this whole top, topic of procrastination as it relates to the creative process, I was reading some of people's interpretations of it and I couldn't help, but couldn't help but laugh at some of these things because they're just so humorous. But one of them, it was something along the lines of uh, procrastination for me is a way to discover new ideas or uh, the walk to the pantry and the walk back generates so much <laughs> more than the work itself. Like there's, there's some, there's truth. There's a lot of truth in those things because I think procrastination, depending on the form and the time of day and the frequency of it 
does create, at least for me, it has created those opportunities where I can look at something in a different lens or take my mind off of it. I I don't know if you experienced this or, or people who might be listening to this is like, after a while, if you get so focused on that task at hand, it's very difficult to see anything beyond that because you're so ingrained in that moment. I bet poetry and writing and all these other things. Well, for me, they're the same exact way. It's the same exact reason that happens the other way around. If you focus on all the other things outside of it, it becomes that much harder to focus on that space in front of you. Exactly. The poem that you're putting together. So it's, it's like, no wonder why it would work that way because it works Mm -hmm. the same exact way, just the other way around. It's, um, yeah, it's always uh, it's always a combination, huh? and and we need to be able to daydream. I mean, that's my favorite way of coming up uh, with solutions, and to 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 stop something and to to let it rest, you know, and yeah. see what happens with that. And because our brain continues to process, we just we're not consciously on it, we're not rationally on it, but it doesn't mean that nothing is happening, and we're so used to to being focused and to being goal and task oriented and to, to, to be doing stuff and to have deadlines and to show up for those deadlines and so on. And we forget that our, our imagination and our daydreaming and our procrastination help us um, be faster. You know, I, I remember one day, I, you know, not so long ago, but that was before the, the lockdown. And so it's, uh, I was working on the presentation and I was kind of stuck and I was here and, you know, it's in front of the screen and, you know, and I decided to go for a coffee uh, just uh, on the corner of the street. And, and suddenly I was thinking maybe I can do drawing. <laughs> so started doing my presentation in the form of drawing, which was really fun. And, and it helped me, uh, you know, do something that was successful. So, yeah. And you created an experience. And I created an experience and, and, and I had fun doing it and hence I was motivated to share it as well and so on. So, so my recommendation for anyone who's listening and who, you know, has maybe this tendency to, to, to be so focused that they, you know, they forget that there is a world outside uh, is, to, is to make sure that whenever they get stuck, certainly to, to think about stepping out or doing something completely different, uh, sing a song. I have my ukulele here. I'll play the ukulele. I'm learning. I will play the ukulele for a few minutes, and, you know, just to have a, a different kind of break and and then you get back to your task and you see it's so much better or, day, or daydream I, daydreaming is great you know it looks like you might not be doing anything but <laughs> you're solving the world's problems yeah. yeah literally how can what are some ways that people can connect with you and learn more about your work they um, can find me on, on Instagram. So my name is very, if they Google my name, I mean, there's two of us. It's very difficult to, I mean, to, to miss me. But uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn. And as well, um, I have a website, um, dorothyoge.eu, um, Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm really happy to, to connect uh, with people. I also write some articles on Medium. So if they want to, to read some more and, uh, and I have a couple of uh, episodes of a podcast as well. So, so I try to share, to share what's what I know or to, to invite people for invitation. And uh, I will be doing a live LinkedIn 
on the 22nd of June. I don't know if it's um, will be processed by then, but anyway, and that's you can take it out. And it's um, it will be about rituals in organizations. So how to go back to the center of ourselves in order to 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 get together and you know be resourceful and so on. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on Facebook, iTunes, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.